This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. New parents are often thrilled and most likely a bit nervous when bringing home their new baby. They take in every inch of their precious little bodies. They count fingers, toes, eyes, and nose, and they think their skin is beautiful and perfect until it's not. When our baby's skin pusses, pops, scabs, or peels, suddenly we need help. I'm Dr. Caroline Piggott, and today on Parent Savers, we're talking about baby skin conditions and common diseases. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Would you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Welcome to Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Parent Savers is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for parents from conception to kindergarten. I'm your host, Erin Estevez, a.k.a. OG Mamacita. Thanks to all of our loyal listeners who join us week in and week out. And thanks also to those who are listening for the first time. As you may or may not know, you can join our Parent Savers Club and receive access to special bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts from time to time. And if you haven't already, please make sure to download the free Parent Savers app available in the Android and iTunes marketplace and for Windows Phone. So you can automatically have access to all of the great parenting advice and conversation we have on Parent Savers every week. Let's start the conversation by meeting everyone who's joining us today. Hi, my name's Caroline Piggott, and I am a doctor at Scripps Clinic. Caroline, do you love kids, obviously. I do. Um, I see them. I, I see adults as well in clinic, but mm-hmm. most of my practice is pediatric, so I love it. And I the the children and their parents end up, end up sort of being like my family, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, great, great. And you, over here we have... Ah, hello. Um, I'm Colina. I am the producer here for Parent Savers. Um, I am 26 years old. I have a 14-month-old son. Um, and I'm very excited about this topic, particularly because um, with having my first child, there were some things that came up and I was freaking out. Because no one tells you, you get all this other advice, no one tells you, look for these symptoms and it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's not a bubonic plague. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is a great topic. Hey, everyone. I'm Sunny, and I'm the owner of New Mommy Media, which produces this show and Preggy Pals and the Boob Group and Twin Talks. And I'm also a mommy, of course. Um, I have four children, all under the age of four. I have to get that out there because it's going to change here in a week. My oldest is about to turn four, so then I can't say four, under four. Um, So anyways, four children. My oldest is turning four. My middle guy is two years old. And then I've got um, identical twin girls who are eight months old. And as far as skin stuff is concerned, 
you know, the thing they don't tell you is, you know, we said in the intro that, you know, baby's skin comes out and it's all beautiful. Maybe I just had some crazy kids, but my <laughs> my baby's, like, skin was, like, scaly and bumpy. Peely. And they don't tell you that either. I kept hearing all this stuff about, you know, baby's skin and so fresh and soft. And, and when they hit about six months, yes, that's, that's, that was a sweet spot for my kids. But, um... But then, then as they get into their toddler years, then you, then it's like stuff comes back, and so I'm always saying, I'm always noticing weird stuff on my kids' body. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> but since I have like you know four children total, I'm like, what is that? And then you oh, and now here, let me check something on Facebook. <laughs> so I don't freak out nearly as much anymore. <laughs> okay, and I am Erin Estevez, as I said, OG Mamacita, which stands for officially geriatric because I am a mother of advanced age. I have one boy, his name is Cash, and he is um, about two and a half. And yeah, his skin was pretty damn good when he first came Really? <laughs> so it's just my family is weird? Is that what you're telling me? I think maybe it was just a fluke. <laughs> I don't know. So, But it did have its funky stage, so you're not alone. Yes. I'm glad okay, this is an excellent topic. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. So on Parent Savers, we like to talk about um, new and exciting things, and that sometimes entails headlines. And Kalina has a very interesting headline to share with us. I do. So I was, I was looking over some stuff, and I found this, and I'm, I, I have to apologize to the people who invented this robot because I don't know how to pronounce it. It's, <laughs> J- it's J-I-B-O, so it's either Jibo, Jibo... Or hebo, hebo, hebo. If it's hebo. if it's particularly exotic. <laughs> um, so this this robot the the headline is Jibo. Uh, um, the family robot might be oddly charming or just plain odd. So it, it's it's kind of up for debate. Um, and it's this robot to explain what it looks like. It's it reminds me of like a small table top rotating fan almost, okay. but it's got a flat face with like this like glowing orb. Scary. So it's here. Uh, oh yeah, it looks like a pinnacle. Oh my gosh, you know what that looks like? What was that one Disney? Um, they mentioned that oh, too. Eva, it, Eva, uh, uh, like in Wally, Wally, and kind Eva, of a little Wally, whatever her name is. That, it does kind of look like, like her. Yeah. Looks like Eva or whatever sitting on your Eva. counter. Eva. <laughs> <laughs> So I was totally so, picturing Jetsons when you first yeah, said so that. This I. is not Jetsons. No, wow. this is this is it's a little bit different. Um, so the purpose of this robot is basically they they've made it on a really um, open platform for kind of an app related device um, that it can do simple things for you: turn on and off lights, adjust temperature in your house, kind of basic controls. Um, but what makes it family friendly is they have designed it so that you can talk to it like another person. So it's like Siri. 
Kind of like Siri, okay. a little bit yeah. like Siri, but for your house. Right. So you can go up to it and it's the idea is to be able to hold conversation, kind of pick up on lingo. You can tell it to do things and it's so anybody in the house can be like, hey, Jibo, switch on the lights and your uh, lights will turn on okay. or, you know, ask it questions and things like that. So it's meant to be like part of the family unit. So it's artificial intelligence. It's, it's learning capable. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's definitely it's still really new. Um, they want to see how it's going to grapple. Uh, you know the whole complexity of communication yeah. and slang and things like that. So it that. can learn though. It's supposed to. That that's what's scary. That's yeah. So it's, it's supposed so to pick up on these kind of things. Um, yeah. not really. It doesn't look oh. like it does. It might rotate a little bit. Oh. I didn't see anything really about that. Um, but it's it's really kind of because they've made it so open. They're hoping that other people will make like apps to get it to do more. Mm. So it's really up to the other technology oh, experts out there to kind of adapt it. Well, I think it'd be really cool if if it can tell me right my recipes as I'm going along. Oh, oh yeah, something like awesome. that. You know, that would be really neat. So anybody out there is listening? Create <laughs> <laughs> an app. Make that for Jibo. Mm-hmm. Huh. But the the thing the thing that's throwing me off is that it's stationary, you know, because and not that I want it to move, that might freak me out a little bit more. But what I mean, what I like about Siri is my phone is everywhere I am, right? right? So she's everywhere I am. And so I feel like, what, what if you're upstairs and, oh, Jibo, turn off the lights. Oh, wait, Jibo's in the kitchen. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you have, like, speakers set throughout the house. There has to be some or way to hold some Jibos. Way. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like, oh, my rooms. gosh, multiple Jibos. <laughs> a marketing scam. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Okay, I just had, like, a Doctor Who moment where, this, where the cyber <laughs> wars take over. Yeah, so it's, it's still really new. They're still kind of, you know, adapting it. This is just kind of the first. And it, they talk about, you know, it being adapted eventually people might take this and keep running with it to where we do see you know things that crazy cruise well, around I the house or something <laughs> in your car yeah, yeah. I oh, see that yeah. that's great for like my dad who is blind mm. you know because the poor man always loses the remote he always misplaces <gasps> the phone oh. you know oh yeah I mean he doesn't need lights we always tease him about <laughs> his electric bill being so low <laughs> You know, he's always like, turn the lights off. And I'm like, how would you know? <laughs> so I think that's really neat. I'm excited and terrified at, at the, the same, same time. time. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today we're talking about baby skin conditions, common diseases, and we have with us Dr. Caroline Piggott. She is a pediatric dermatologist at Scripps Clinic here in San Diego, and she's going to help us understand all of the basic issues of common baby skin diseases. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. It's fun to be back. So you don't have children of your own, but you do in a sense because you have 
all the kids in my practice, they're kind of like my kids, other than my furry baby, <laughs> my, my little dog. Um, yeah, no, I uh, I see adults as well, but a lot of them are actually the parents of the kids who I initially meet as my patients. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, I almost like to think of myself as a family dermatologist, kind of. Um, but I see tons of kids, and there's such a, a wide spectrum of things that different skin diseases that children can have. And I, most of them are totally benign, not dangerous, not harmful, but a lot of them look scary. And so a lot of people do Google searches and right. all sorts of frightening things come up on the internet. And, and so I, a lot of the, my time is spent reassuring parents because most of the time everything is totally fine. But for the rare cases when it's not, I like, I like to see everyone. Talking them off of the ledge. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I know that in a lot of the social media groups that I, I'm part of, that I participate in, moms are constantly posting pictures. What is this? <laughs> you know, which in some ways I feel is a disservice to themselves and their children and other parents out there. Because like you said, that stuff can look really scary. And there's a lot of misinformation, exactly. too. And, and and even in a photograph, it's hard to tell really what it is. So it's really nice when I get to see things live to really see what's going on, to make sure it's something benign or safe and, and not something to worry about, which most of the time, again, everything is usually okay. Yeah, and my go-to comment on those is always, can you email your doctor? Send them the picture. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, it's really important to take a picture, too, though, because half the time, by the time the child comes into clinic, usually the rash or whatever it is, mm-hmm. is is oftentimes gone. But it's nice to have the photograph, too, so I can help the families um, know what to do or what it is just in case it ever comes back again. So what else should a parent do other than just take, like in the, that first, I don't know, if, in the interim between realizing that there's something and actually getting to see you. So we take a picture and I know that for some things, they like for a snake bite or an oh, yeah. animal bite where you kind of mark. Oh yeah, with, uh, you take a pen and, and mark the perimeter to make, uh-huh. sh- and then you can track it like if it's getting worse or, or spreading beyond the borders of your pen mark, that mm-hmm. can actually be helpful. And another thing too is, is just, not just the skin, but is there anything else going on with the child? Are they having a fever? Are they not eating or mm-hmm. sleeping normally in association with whatever the rash is or whatever the skin condition is? That can also be very important because a lot of the times the skin can be a manifestation of what's going on inside of you. Interesting. And and I'm sure that there are a lot of seasonal issues. Absolutely. Um, what do you see? Let's see. Well, right now it's summertime, and a lot of the things I see are things that little children or older children, any, any a patient of any age, are being exposed to things in the environment because they're wearing shorts and t-shirts. So just last week, I, I, I can't count the number of patients who came in with bug bites, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are playing and, you know, going on vacation or traveling staying in hotels or you know right. in the in the woods and a lot of people are coming in with bug bites or you know like you said snake bites not so common yeah. but a lot of bug bites itchy rashes things like that or or children who are allergic to say for, uh, grass for example or going out to oh, play right. coming in with marks on their legs or their hands things like that and again most of the time things are not harmful but can be pretty itchy and is would you say that there's a a constant throughout the year that that doesn't isn't affected by season um for babies 
sort of some of the, the common things that a lot of babies have that, that we're going to talk about today, for example, like baby acne or eczema, dry skin, uh, heat rashes, things like that. Um, I see a lot of those all year. So let's go ahead and jump into one of the first ones that I think, and I know that we have a comment from Facebook regarding this one, and that's baby acne. Oh, yes. And and one of the misconceptions about acne is that it's a disease of teenagers only. And really, it's a it can be, I've seen acne in patients who are newborns, and I've seen acne in people who are 60 years old. It really isn't just a teenage problem. So a lot of parents are really worried when their beautiful little baby starts developing acne, and it can occur even in the, in the first month of life even. Um, we call that neonatal acne if it's the first month. Uh, after a month, uh, we switch the name to infantile acne, but it doesn't really matter. It can be very concerning um, to parents. Um, for baby acne, um, usually what you notice, and it's it's common on the cheeks just like it is for teenagers, what you notice um, are tiny little red bumps, and sometimes they even have a little bit of they have pustules or little bumps with pus in them. The whiteheads. Yeah, exactly. Um, and um, usually it doesn't leave scars, which is the good thing. And especially the type of, the, the one we call neonatal acne, which is the one in the first month. Um, usually it goes away on its own. It's not harmful to the baby. It's not painful, although it can look scary. Um, it's kind of controversial whether that type is true acne or mm. or something called neonatal um pustulosis, which is another benign condition. But mo- again, most parents um, think it looks bad, but you can reassure them that in, mo- in most cases it goes away on, on its own. And I usually don't treat it unless it's pretty severe. There are some prescription medicines, usually creams. There's mm-hmm. a cream called ketoconazole that we sometimes use, but in most cases it's not necessary. They just go away on, on, on their own. Um, the type that lasts beyond the first month, uh, the infantile acne, that's the one that's more more commonly has sort of the whiteheads or blackheads, kind of like more like what you see in right. teenagers. And actually that type, the, the type that can, um, it starts usually about one month of age and can last even up to one year, believe it or wow. not. And that can actually cause scars. So, yeah, and there's most cases are really mild. I don't want you to worry that your child is is necessarily going to get a scar, but there are some cases where they can leave scars. You can get cystic type even. Wow. And some of them we actually treat with prescription medicine. And a lot of the medicines are actually very similar to what we treat teenagers with. Hmm. Um, There are certain ones that you can't use in in, in babies. Certainly some of the oral um, medicines that we use in teenagers you can't use in babies. Like, um, for example, medicine in the tetracycline family you can't use in little ones because it can cause various um, abnormalities, including when they're teeth problems, usually at an older age. But um, the good news is most of it goes away. The, The type of acne that that I just want to mention that can be worrisome is when your child is more the age two, three, four years old, very rarely, and I don't, I'm not saying this to scare anyone, but very rarely if you develop acne and you're, for example, two years old, it can be associated with underlying hormonal or, or endocrine abnormalities. So if your child is, you know, age one, I would say, or above, and, and, and I would say age one to, for example, age seven, somewhere in that 
range, I would probably take your child to the doctor just to make sure it really is acne, first Mm -hmm. of all, and just to make sure that nothing else needs to be tested or looked at. Oh, that's really good to know. So Stacy was asking, what should what should we do if as a parent do I know that I had friends who were like, pop it. And I was like, I'm not going to pop it. Popping, what I worry about with popping is that actually is more likely to leave a scar behind than if you leave it alone. Um, So definitely gentle face washing is important. And you want to use washes that don't have fragrance or a lot of chemicals in them. And you don't want to scrub really hard. A lot of families, you know, worry that it's it's a sign of being dirty or, or lack of cleanliness or whatever. And it really isn't. It just is something that either happens or it doesn't. And scrubbing harder does not help. And in fact, it's if you pop it or squeeze Ooh. it, you, you're more likely to get. Have you ever seen those um, people who later in life who have those little pock marks yes. from the acne? You can actually get those left behind if you squeeze too hard. And that's including teenagers, yeah. too. So I always encourage people not to pop. It's hard and I not can't to. Imagine, <laughs> I can't imagine popping a zit on a baby. Can you? I mean, it just to me painful. Yeah, I'd be scared. I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. So. So let's say that the the opposite is, you know, there's baby acne. The opposite, I think, would be dry skin. Ah, totally. Um, Everyone experiences this with their children at some point. Um, The winter months, especially, not so much here in San Diego, but the winter months elsewhere can can really dry out the skin. Um, And usually it's just a a normal finding, nothing to be worried about. Can be frustrating, though, because the dry skin can get pretty itchy in some babies. Because when you're little, you can't reach over and scratch yourself like you can when you're you're, uh, older. So a lot of them actually get a little bit fussy when they're itchy. And so they might cry or wiggle around a little bit more instead of being able to scratch themselves. So um, one of the really important things, as with baby acne, is that you use very gentle cleansers on babies. Um, Nothing uh, with extra chemicals, dyes, uh, fragrances, things like that. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Um, There's a lot of inexpensive products out there um, that that are very helpful. The other thing is with moisturizer, um, that's very important. And Mm -hmm. a good time to put on moisturizer is actually after a bath. Um, It's sort of counterintuitive, but sometimes when when you're in in a bath too long and say the water is really hot or you're in there too long, that can actually make the skin even more dry, believe it or not. So um, when you have your baby out of the bath, you wanna pat the skin gently. Again, not not really hard scrubbing, but just pat it gently dry. And then that's a great time to put on a moisturizer. And um, usually in children, thicker ones are better than the sort of lighter lotion. So ointments usually are more effective at creating a barrier. And um, even simple, you know, you don't have to get anything expensive. Even things like white petrolatum can help. Um, And, you know, once a day or twice a day, something like that um, should do the trick. But usually it's not a manifestation of anything abnormal in the baby. Uh, one of the areas that a lot of people have especially difficult time with is the diaper area, um, especially because they're you know with a moist diaper mm-hmm. leads can with a with a diaper rubbing can lead to irritation and redness in the diaper area. So a really thick um, diaper cream is also very helpful, um, and a lot of uh, 
families use those baby wipes, um, which you have to. I mean, if you're if you're on the go, you need something portable. But the problem with baby wipes sometimes is they can be really irritating. So you want to be super gentle when you when you're when you're cleaning the area. Some kids are even allergic to them, believe it or not. Um, usually not, but some kids are. And then um, make sure you reapply um, a good thick diaper paste. Things like uh, zinc oxide type ones um, are are very good, I find. Um, but uh, the diaper area is even more important because you can actually get infections in the area if if it's too moist and irritated. You can get things like yeast infections or other things, um, or even conditions like uh, eczema can arise in the diaper area. When we come back, um, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and we'll continue this discussion with the topic of eczema. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. Today we're talking about baby skin conditions, common diseases um, with Dr. Caroline Piggott. And we are picking up the conversation. No no um, pun intended with the picking. Oh, ew. <laughs> <laughs> we're picking up with eczema. Yeah. <laughs> eczema. Eczema is one of the most frustrating skin conditions a parent um, can deal with. And most babies don't have eczema. Most just have dry skin. But if if you're one of the families who has sort of the genetic inclination towards what we call atopic dermatitis or eczema, um, even young babies can develop it. Um, people of all ages can have it, but one of the uh, usually mo- more severe times if, if your child does have eczema is the first, you know, five years of life. Um, I've seen eczema develop even in the first month of life. Um, and what it presents as not just dry skin, but sometimes you almost see raised pink bumps, or and sometimes you have so many of them that they co- coalesce into what we call a plaque or a thicker red Aww. scaly area. Yeah, and, and it can be anywhere on the body, but common areas for children, especially babies, is on the cheeks. And then sometimes you can see it on the arms, legs, or really anywhere on the skin. And it and it can be quite itchy for, for the children. And, and some kids have it so much that they're so itchy that they have trouble sleeping properly because of it. So, yeah. So it's really important to treat it if your child does have it. And most, ki- most children with eczema, it's pretty mild. And you can get away with um, bland moisturizers, everything fragrance-free. Um but some other tips, um, if you have a ch- child with eczema, is to make sure no one comes in the house. I mean, no one, in, I don't like cigarette smoking in general, mm. but especially for children with eczema, really? I find that if there's a lot of smokers in the home, it can affect their skin as well. So I definitely discourage that. Um, I, I tell families with eczema to make sure, you know, when, when grandma comes to visit that she's not wearing a lot of perfume because mm-hmm. it can actually irritate the child's skin and to not wear, wear perfume yourself. Um, just like with dry skin, uh, moisturizers are very important, you know, gentle cleansers. Um, a lot of kids with eczema are particular, particularly sensitive to the type of moisturizer um, 
that you pick. So that's very important to check on the label, make sure there's no fragrance, not a lot of extra chemicals, things like that. Um, if you're not sure whether your child has eczema, you can always take them. Most pediatricians are excellent at treating eczema. Um, and I, I do get a lot of referrals for more difficult cases, but one of the things we commonly use for eczema um, are topical steroids. And a lot of, when, I, when you hear that word steroid, a lot of pa parents are very scared. Yes. And rightly so, it, when overused topical steroids um, can cause harm. Um, so I generally recommend you do that under the guidance of a doctor if you're gonna go to those type of things. But we do have treatment and one of the mainstays is um, topical steroid. So I have a question about eczema. Is it something, Is it gen are you genetically set for it or is it a dietary and environmental? I mean, I can understand that the environment could exacerbate exactly. it. Exactly. Um, most, they, they think there's something called the atopic triad, which includes eczema, mm -hmm. asthma, and hay fever. So if you have a child with eczema, most of the time you'll find someone else in the family who has one of those other things. You know, sometimes Ooh. grandma will have asthma, mom wow. will have eczema, baby gets eczema, but sometimes you get all three and they are thought to be genetically linked. That is fascinating. Wow. That's crazy. We have asthma like crazy in our family and I wouldn't have even thought to put those two together. So that's... Yeah, well, I have hay fever and my sister has asthma. There you go. And probably maybe some someone in in, in the, the line has yeah. eczema, and and most of the times, it, it, you know, unfortunately, some people get all three. Uh, there's a lot of controversy um, regarding the relationship between eczema and food allergies. Mm -hmm. Every time I see a patient with eczema, the first one of the first questions the parent will ask me is, "This caused by food?" Right. Most of the time, the answer is no. Not all the time, but most of the time. A child with eczema is probably more likely to have food allergies than a child who doesn't have eczema, but usually it is not a particular food that causes the skin. Again, there are exceptions. I do have patients who have food allergies that cause their eczema, but most of the time it's not the case. So then eczema can just, in a sense, kind of like be an external indicator of some internal sensibilities. Yeah, sort of, you know, more of an allergic tendency, yeah. I would say. And certainly things in the environment too can trigger eczema, uh, weather, uh, there's some thought that stress can mm -hmm. play a role. I just started itching. <laughs> <laughs> the heebie-jeebie effect. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I know this is weird, but I just find that absolutely fascinating. No, and, and I have some families <laughs> where I had a, an Indian family the other day who said their daughter never had eczema until they moved to San Diego. Oh, my gosh. And then they recently went on vacation back to India, and they said their daughter's skin cleared. And then she comes back, back to square one. Can, can our skin become immune, not immune, but like take on, like, I mean, just what, what's the word when you uh, adapt, basically. Right. So, I mean, that would be a case yeah, of, you absolutely. know, she was in India, her skin adapted mm -hmm. to that environment. Yeah. She came to San Diego, her skin was like, what up with this? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. And I do think there's probably a role with the humidity in India, sure. too, okay. compared to here where it's so dry. dry. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Another thing that comes with birth, and I don't, I guess these are, uh, I did a little bit of reading on these, so you're, you're obviously the expert, but birthmarks, they don't necessarily have to be at birth. Exactly. So there are many different birthmarks, and most of them are nothing to worry about at all. There are, um, things like moles that can be there at birth, and, and we call them birthmarks if the mole usually appears within the first year of life, for example, we call it a congenital nevus. And most of the, what they can be- Because then height. 
<laughs> and, and a lot of them can actually be quite large. Um, so a lot of parents are pretty scared when this um, mole that's bigger than most of the moles that we would just have on our skin sort of that we develop over the years. Um, and they can be quite alarming, but most of the time they're completely benign. Um, but it's good if your child is born with a mole just to have it checked by the pediatrician, just to make sure it's really is a mole or make sure it's okay. So you, in case it's missed during the wellness checkups and such? Yeah, sometimes the, it can be missed. Like if the, you know, it, I've seen moles that are in between the butt cheeks or what, not everyone sees them. So if, if you notice a little brown spot, um, it's worth having it checked just to make sure it really is a mole and nothing to worry about. Um, and, and most of them are truly nothing to worry about. Um, but the one thing I do encourage is starting at six months of age, if you do have one of those mole-type birthmarks, to start using a, a sunscreen uh, just if it's exposed to the sun. Good tip. You know, there's a really neat little um, thing trending lately, and that's where parents are getting tattoos to match their children's birthmarks. Oh, no way. I hadn't heard of that. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the coolest thing. And Cash, he has one um, on his forearm and it's just kind of, it almost looks like a lightning bolt, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of, or a check mark. It's really cool. Um, and I was thinking later on, maybe I'll get, get the yeah. tattoo to match his. Yeah, I noticed um, my oldest son has just a little darkened area that's on his like mid mid back region, mm -hmm. and then um, one of my twins has um, one almost in the same spot, and I'm like, how did that happen? It's I like, see that all the time actually, really? and we don't know why, but I have had many like brother sister who all have you know a birthmark in the same spot Weird. on their shoulder, and yeah, it's. Genetics. <laughs> this is totally off topic, but it, well, off topic as far as skin conditions. But in in Buddhism, they believe that birthmarks are actually manifestations or indications of things that happened in a past life, ah. and they can be things that are reoccurring. I like that. Yeah, that's a cool. Do you guys have birthmarks? I have a birthmark. I have. I have. Mine's kind of weird. It's. You only see it when I'm not tan. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's kind of like a darker area of skin, but not really dark. And it's just, it's on the back of my, like, lower calf area. Okay. It's, uh, it's... Uh, oh, it's a good it's, size. It's a good size. Several inches. Yeah, it's several inches. And it's kind of a funky shape. And I've had it as long as I can think of. Huh, I can't see it, but I wonder if it's something we call a cafe au lait. Oh, yeah. Uh, I like yeah. that name. Like, like coffee <laughs> with milk. <laughs> um, those are, th they look kind of like they could be moles, but they're not really. They're more like just like light brown birthmarks. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, the skin doesn't look any different. It's just yeah, it's as flat, if I have right? a weird yeah. tan spot. I bet that's what it is. Yeah, and my son has a really small one on his arm, and I, my husband didn't notice it, but I did. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like what I have, but it's on his arm. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I think, I bet that's what it is, and it's nothing bad at all. Nothing. Yeah. I never, I was just, yeah. I, and I remember it since I was a kid because I'd get white and I'm like, oh, that part didn't get white. Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> I have, I have a red, a reddish purple one. Oh, oh, where? Yeah, it's like on my upper, like mid thigh area of Is it my, flat? my right. It's flat, completely flat. I wonder if it's a port wine stain, like a small yeah. one. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like, um, maybe, is that an inch? Maybe? Yeah. Like an inch? Huh. 
Yeah, yeah and that, it's pretty thin. Yeah, and it's just always been there. It's always been changed. there. I mean, I don't know if it act, if I actually came out with it, but like definitely within the first month or so, my mom said just showed up. She's like, and it was really, really tiny, <laughs> and then as you got bigger, it grew to. An, I mean, think how how tiny it would you. have to be yeah. Yeah. as a baby to grow to be an inch now. Yeah. You know, but yeah, but it's but it's red, like yeah, purpley those, red. I'm like, that's you're weird. Like, those are like pretty that. common, actually. The the vascular types, yeah. I see them a lot. There's a whole spectrum of them, and most of them are nothing to worry about. But a lot of babies babies um, somewhere, if, if they're born full term, with somewhere in the first month of life um, can develop something called a hemangioma. Some people call it strawberry. Has, yeah, yeah. yeah. She has, has a tiny one right on her eigh-brow that pretty much has gone away. As but she's it, it wasn't bigger. bigger before. It was. It was yeah. like a bump. It that almost was like, like a it. little blister looking thing yeah. right on her eyebrow. And then she had another one on her shoulder um, or like the outside of her shoulder and it, that one was bigger and she mm-hmm. still has it but we mm-hmm. used to call it her flower it was her flower Aww. and she was super proud of it is it was like her beautiful flower on her shoulder Aww. <laughs> yeah those I see those all the time um they're made of extra blood vessels they're nothing harmful or cancerous or d- dangerous and it's nothing that happened wrong in pregnancy or anything yeah. but some uh, and the, most of them go away on their own some don't some are left you get a little red spot left over yeah. and and they can occur anytime usually in the first month or so they usually start you know a lot of people think it's a bruise or something like that to start with and then it grows that often gets raised and it can grow over the first six nine months of life and then it kind of stops growing we call it the plateau phase (laughs) and then it sits there for a while and then over the next few years it kind of gets smaller shrinks down sometimes you're left with a red mark or sometimes you're left with a little almost fibro fatty tissue where it was kind of like you know when you're pregnant your stomach gets larger and then you deliver the baby but you're left with that little bit of something that's kind of what the hemangiomas leave behind sometimes but you can imagine if they are really large or on the lips or near the eye they can actually sometimes cause problems there was one more, uh, the Melia. Melia, we call Melia. them. Have you ever seen those little tiny white bumps that babies have, which some usually in the first month, and they can be usually on the cheek area. Um, it kind of looks like acne, but it's white and usually under two millimeters. I think that's exactly what I was referring to when I said my babies come out and they don't have that awesome skin. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It almost looks like they've got uh, goosebumps. Is that kind of what you're talking or about? It, it could be that. Yeah, it's more like bright white, like okay. cottage cheese color. Yeah. There's there's another condition called keratosis pilaris that has little bumps that are more firm and don't... Milia look like if you poked, poke a hole in it, you could squeeze it out. Whereas there's another condition called keratosis pilaris that stays with you for a lifetime usually, where you get little fleshy one millimeter, say, bumps on your cheeks, and you can also get them on your arms and legs. Huh. Is that what your baby well, has? Well, I or? mean, I think they're growing out of it, oh, okay. so it wouldn't okay. be some. But it just look like they maybe they were maybe they were goosebumps. <laughs> maybe, like, maybe I needed to dress my maybe kids more. <laughs> No, it just kind of, because they, you know, it just looked a little raised, but now now I don't see it. So it was the same color and everything. Just well, it couldn't be anything worrisome. Okay. It yeah. If it went away, it went away, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, okay. Milia, um, usually, we don't fully know why kids get them, but um, adults get them too. But in the first month of life, you often get a lot more than you do later in life. Um, they're little pilosebaceous cysts, actually. They're baby cysts, and they usually go away on their own. Um, in adults, and I, I don't usually do this to babies because it's painful, but adults who get them you can can literally under sterile conditions mm-hmm. poke a hole and squeeze it out kind of like a pimple but fun <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much um for listening and joining us today um, the conversation will continue for members of our parent savers club for more information about the parent savers club please visit our website at newmommymedia.com 
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Here's a question from Shelby. Shelby needs some advice with infant reflux. She says, our little guy is three weeks old and seems to be really struggling with this. He fights, screams, arches his back, and straightens out during feedings. He cries and looks like he is in pain when he burps. I've cut dairy and he's on medication. We're considering a visit to the chiropractor if the medicine doesn't start helping more. Any tips, advice, or even words of encouragement are much appreciated. This is Dr. Tyson Perez. I am a pediatric and family chiropractor at Elevation Family Chiropractic in Carlsbad, California. Hey, Shelby, I wanted to answer your question regarding acid reflux and colic. Um, It can be a really difficult thing for parents to deal with, and you mentioned that you had tried some of the medication and that you were considering going to see a chiropractor. I think that's a great idea. The chiropractor, what they will do is look at the neurological function of the child to see if it's working properly, because what can happen if there's a problem between the communication between the brain and the body, then you can see symptoms such as acid reflux, sometimes other things like gas and constipation and other things associated with digestion. So the first and foremost, the chiropractor needs to do a nerve scan to see what's going on internally to see if chiropractic would be a benefit. And then if it would, the chiropractor would use gentle pediatric adjustments that are very, very different from what a standard chiropractic adjustment would be. So you can always talk to the chiropractor about that. I recommend seeing a pediatric chiropractor, and there's a couple ways to go about that. You can either contact me here at Elevation Family Chiropractic, and I can point you in the right direction, or the ICPA website also has a list of their chiropractors. You can go to icpa4kids.org, and you, you can type in your zip code, and they'll find a chiropractor in your area that deals with pediatrics. Again, that's ICPA, the number four, kids.org. Anyway, Shelby, I hope this helped. I will talk to you later. Bye-bye. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Parent Savers. Don't forget to check our sister shows, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, The Boob Group for Moms Who Breastfeed Their Babies, and Twin Talks for Parents of Multiples. This is Parent Savers, empowering new parents. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.